the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. KNUS. KNUS. Good morning, everybody, on a Friday, and it looks like the snow let up. November the 24th, 2023, the day after Thanksgiving. Peter Boyle's on the air for George Brock, where George has the day off. And then Lou Gonzalez and I are back tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock for the 9 to noon Saturday show. It's Black Friday and snow in the city, and 25 is the high, and 10 degrees tonight, and 28 on Saturday. And this is a real thrill for me to sit and listen to many of these stories I've heard before, but off here I'd heard two stories I've never heard before. Chuck Morris is with us, rock entrepreneur, promoter. Now he is uh, teaching university, uh, the status in this business, record deals, and it's just the stories are um, absolutely brilliant because I think most people, most people that went through all of that time period when you guys were booking shows and booking acts, and of course you started doing it uh, outside of Denver, and then you were talking about California, and then you guys exploded. But people were sending us stuff about shows they saw that you did, so you need There's to know that. Yeah. Um, 710 Canes. So Chuck is here, and um, what an amazing life. I mean, when you I've st- been so lucky, oh, so blessed that you. I've been able to. <laughs> you. And now I'm blessed that I, I wanted, always wanted to start a music business department at a major university in Colorado as a second career. I used to speak at different schools on one-offs. My dad was a school teacher. I had great respect for that, and I decided after I accomplished everything I wanted for 45 years that I was going to start a music business department at a major university, and I had several offers, and I decided to pick Fort Collins. And three years ago, I started this music. I'm chairman of this music business mm-hmm. department. Hired great teachers. Uh, a lot of my friends have guest lectured. Uh, I mean, on and on. I've had you know guys from Mumford and Sons, Lyle Lovett, Big Ed Todd. I've had Grizz. I've had Elenium, who just sold out Mile High Stadium. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we have four classes. I'm chairman of the department. I don't teach. I've hired teachers, but I do teach when my famous. Guests come. I've hired some great people. Eric Griffin is my associate director. He is an entertainment lawyer from Nashville and and taught for five years at Belmont, uh, the music business, great music department in in Nashville. And when he heard I and grew up in Colorado, when he heard I was starting this, he called me, came out, said he wanted to come back home. He's still an entertainment lawyer, but he's my associate director and he teaches two of the classes. I got the great lady from Mishawaka mm. to teach a class. I've had some wonderful people from um, Telluride Bluegrass to teach. And I'm having the time of my life. I still consult from a, for AEG, but um, gave up CEO and, and president for Denver through the Northwest. And Brent Patrizzi and Don Strasberg, who have been my partners for years, took over. The, um, and I think they've probably done it better job without me. I, I still consult, but uh, <laughs> yeah. they've been brilliant. They've had them in their biggest years. And um, um, Actually, Don Did, spoke. Yeah, well, during, during the and pause. And coming in the, in the spring. I, you know, I want to go up and see you teach. <laughs> As I said well, come before. to the class that I yeah. have guests. I mean, I had Kesha last week and her mother. Funny story. Kesha's a big rock star. Mm-hmm. Her mother is P.B. Siebert. 
I used to work with her mother. This is way before Kesha was ever born, and her husband, Hugh Moffat, managed Hugh Moffat and her sisters, Katie Moffat, and PB was married to you, was a great songwriter, wrote a terrific song called, called Old Years Ago, when I was working mm-hmm. with her at the beginning, great songwriter, and wrote a song called Old Flames, Can't Hold a Candle oh, to yeah, You, which sure. was a big hit for Dolly Parton, yeah. and uh, taught her daughter Kesha how to write, and if you look at Kesha records, all the songs are written by Kesha and PB Siebert, mm-hmm. who's her mom. And so I had both of them speak together because I go back, uh, and they they were terrific. But I've had so many great friends, guest lecture. Uh, I mean, it's just been amazing, and the kids are loving it. Students are loving it. No one, we go back to no one taught us. There was never a music business department in any college in America when I first started. But you had to be at least relatively, well, or be able to listen. And and I think, and, and Mike, I can only speak for myself, but I, I found these people where they found me, Alan Berg for talk radio and God, yeah. and and Bob Lee and Hal Moore and Charlie Martin and uh, their you know names gone by now. But I was willing to listen to what they had to say, and and when they would tell you do you know don't do this do that or don't do that do this, and uh, I was either smart enough or not smart enough. But I thought. Well, I'm going to listen to these guys and see what they have to say, and then you and I know that you know how many times we sat in bars or how many times we sat at tables in bars or somebody's house, and people told stories. And if you and you've, you know, you're a legendary. You you watched it all. Now one of the things I want to come back to because we were talking about it during the pause is when you got into business versus how the business is run today. It's night and day, and you said oh, it's yeah. cleaned up and. Millionaires or billionaires are running to talk about and that. And publicly traded companies. And, and the gut level street guys that you were talking about, Bill Graham or guys like that, they're, are, in essence, are they gone? Uh, the old time promoters, mm-hmm. I don't know if they could make it if they start, if they were new now. Because? Because of, you know, you have to, you have to it's a big business and you, and you, and you report to a billionaire or a, a board, public, Live no. Nations publicly traded. And, um, you know, HR has become so important, and I'm not knocking it. I think the business is much better. It's cleaner. Mm-hmm. It's more together. I, you know, I hate when old-timers complain about the new music yeah. and about HR. To me, you know, um, Bill Graham once had a great quote. He said in an interview, and I thought it was terrific and so true. He said, hey, talking about this was in his heyday, we're just the maitre d's of rock and roll. Mm-hmm. We just bring in what people want. Sure. I mean, I've never, uh, you know, electronic music now is bigger than life. You know, I, my company did, uh, mm-hmm. AG did Millennium, sold out My Life Stadium. Mm-hmm. Grizz is huge. From By the way, he spoke too, and so did Millennium mm-hmm. in my class. And some of those acts are bigger than life. What was the, mis- if I could, the mistake acts that you booked, or why, why did why oh. do this? Mistakes? Yeah. Oh, I had a lot of mistakes. My biggest mistake is um, uh, Michael Murphy had a, a West Fest, which oh, was man, done sure. very, very well. I, I went to it. And um, I decided with him to do one outside Winter Park. I went to that and one. And it was a big stiff. Yes. That was bad? Yeah. We lost a lot of money. Uh, the other biggest mistake is I, I put together the Mile High Music Festival. I remember that. Yeah, which was on the fields outside Dick's. Yes. And I had some of the biggest acts, Dave Matthews, Widespread Panic, all these acts, and we lost a fortune. And and 
you know, you'd think after all the years I'd know everything. I don't know everything. No. The guy who thinks in my business they know everything should quit. But the biggest – what I learned mm-hmm. then, which I should have known but I didn't, mm-hmm. was that people in this area, a lot of festivals mm-hmm. do well. Austin City Limits. Coachella, which AEG mm-hmm. is partners with, does tremendous. Austin City Limits Festival does tremendous. What I learned from Mile High, which was a big stiff – we did it for two years and then mm-hmm. we pulled the plug – was um, uh, people in this town would rather wait to see their acts at a beautiful place like Red Rocks, their favorite mm-hmm. act, instead of sitting in a field to watch 30 acts. And yeah. and we have great, so, you know, I built the Fillmore when I was my whole company. We have the Mission. We have great rooms, mm-hmm. great a great music culture. And I found that I didn't I, that music festivals in downtown Denver may, may not work because. People would rather wait a year and see that act by themselves at Red Rocks or at Fiddlers, which we took over mm-hmm. and rebuilt. It's you know doing when, well. When it blows up like that, who? Because the ba- are the excuse me, do the the acts or the bands are they guaranteed the money or they get oh, the? You, m- oh, you got to pay them. Yeah, oh, that's we what I'm we pay them full. Well, guarantee um, anyway. Win or lose, and that's so our business. When it blows backwards, who takes the hit? The promoter. Wow. But I've had acts that have given us money back. Occasionally, mm-hmm. which has been terrific, mm-hmm. absolutely terrific. I got in in my home downstairs. I have it framed, and it was given to me by Faye, and I put it away. But it was the billboard, the poster, if you would, for the the uh, music festival in Jamaica. That's a that's a movie. That was a horrible. Talk about that. Well, Barry wanted to do a festival. I was at Faye then. I thought it was going to be a stiff and really didn't get involved in it. I was strong enough at Feyline that I could do stuff like mm-hmm. that. And um, it was a huge loss, actually. It, oh. it helped put Barry into yeah. bankruptcy yeah, the first time. But I have this. I have and, a and Barry made one little mistake in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Great, by the way, yeah. great lineup. Barry's the best booker in the oh, world. Oh, it was amazing. Who's all yeah. on the billboard? He made billboard. one little mistake. Every plane got sold out the first day. There weren't enough planes to go in there to bring more people in. And the locals snuck in. Oh, I heard the stories. And in those days, you couldn't get, like, tell United Airlines to put four more planes on. And so they couldn't get in there and lost a bloody fortune. The stories about what happened in that film, in that. at that festival where... I did not go down there. Legendary. I refused. Well, Jamaica is hard enough, and I always wondered. And I talked to him. I said, why did you choose Jamaica? And he said it was spring break. Yeah. And did that, is that how that tracks with you? Uh, 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 maybe. I, yeah, I who can't knows, quite yeah. remember, but it, it, but it they was had to get, they, big they, stiff. They ended up with a Jamaican army trying to keep people. And I thought, that's a movie. I mean, that's yeah. just, that's a movie, what they did there. The rom-com. What was the, you know, you are talking earlier, what was the biggest success that you think you guys had or you had? That I had? Yeah, in a, in a, in a, in a setting. Well, you know, I consider some of the people that I first brought into town, one of them was the second show of the Eagles. Yeah, that's a good story. That I thought was terrific. They yeah. were rehearsing to make their first album. They drew about 20 people a night because no one knew who they were. And I thought they were going to be huge. In fact, the Eagles played... Um, Pepsi Center about 10 years yeah. ago. I had gotten a lot of gold records from the Eagles, but I never got a gold record for their first album. And they rehearsed at Tulagi's to make that record. 
and they surprised me that night with a gold record wow. from their first album, wow. The Eagles. Wow. First album, which really meant a lot to me because I had something to do with it indirectly. There are Chuck Morris's here with Peter Boyle, 710K in U.S. It's cold outside. As a, as a reader of history, there are make and breaks. There are epoch shifts. There's plates of the earth that move. And uh, I, I wasn't in the business then, but when guys talked about the rise of FM and you and I were raised on AM radio. That's true. And then FM, and you were talking about KFML earlier. and KRNW and oh, KBCO now. KBCO. Three years. And, and Great stations. So why do those, I mean, I have my own theories, but they started playing the music that the top 40 guys would not play. That's exactly right. And talk about that. Well, they played the early um, FM stations mm-hmm. were freeform radio. Oh, they yeah. played whatever they wanted. They didn't have a playlist. If I liked a band when I was running to Loggies, I would buy their that I hadn't booked yet, I'd buy their album and bring it down to the station. And if KRNW liked it, they'd play it, which was amazing. It was like, it was terrific. There was no, you know, they didn't test records. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not saying radio's not good because it still is, but Mm. there's a lot of competition. No, it's not like it was. Not like it was. And they would play everything, you know. They played jazz. They played blues. They played rock. They played folk. Mm -hmm. And kids, college kids and high school kids were into those. Wow. It was much stronger for those kind of music. Chuck, I mean, I we now now we do sound like old guy, or at least I sound like an old guy. But there was a time dot 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 where things were so different and quite different. And yeah. when you guys would do, you would pick individual radio stations to front individual acts. Correct. How did you know how to do that? Because if we booked, well, we did the first dates of Jimmy Buffett, mm-hmm. we would go to a station that was playing that kind of music. And you... Or playing Jimmy Buffett. And let them be the presenters. Yeah. It's funny. We pay... In the early days, when we promoted a show, probably 80% of our money was spent, like, 60% on radio, mm-hmm. 20% on... Uh, uh, 60% on radio, 20% mm-hmm. on posters and street teams... Mm-hmm. And the rest was broken up in d- different things. You know, today it's a whole different ballgame. I remember when you guys, when the, the schedule would come out, it was huge. The Summer Stars. There yep. it is. Um, and which you can't do anymore because bands, they decide when they, go on, they, when they go on sale and they want to put on their whole tour on sale so they have different dates. We so can't you do can, that anymore. I've often wondered why you don't do that anymore. Because, ba- because bands now are more concerned, which for good reason, mm-hmm. of, of they're announcing a summer tour and they want to put it all mm-hmm. together. And it's not the same as another band mm-hmm. that wants a different time. Mm-hmm. So we really couldn't do that anymore. Ticket sales. Now, there's big scandals about what happened in, with tickets. Can you talk to that a little bit as well, about who got access to tickets? And Oh, yeah. In the yeah. old days, my God. I know. Um, a lot more scalping, a lot more. Held them back. You know, we didn't have, I remember with Feyline, I mean, we literally would pick record stores in different places and mm-hmm. bring tickets to them to sell. So you couldn't get the best, you'd go to a store, they'd only have their tickets That's, and their it. specific That's right. tickets. That's right. Today, by computer, you know, you can get the best seat available by just pressing a button. We would, um, I was with Kelly K with Bob doing country music and they would choose, like, if we had Charlie Daniels. Which I got a great Charlie Daniels story. I love but, Charlie. Oh, oh, man. You know, he was our opening act when we took over Fiddler's Green. I was there. Yeah. 
When we took over, AG took over about 10 years ago. We and he had, li- he had lost a lot of weight, and he looked like a million bucks. And, and he died in the last couple I, of years. I know, I know. But he was a wonderful guy. Oh, I got a Charlie, Charlie Daniels story I cannot tell on the air. I'll tell you off the air. But I just, you know, and he had all those hits. And, you know, and he, people. The devil goes down to Georgia. We well, brought, it was called the Volunteer Jam. Yeah, and we yeah. did that. I know you did. At Fiddler's. I, I know. And there's Charlie Daniels. And, I mean, all, all those guys. Who was – Chuck Morris is here. I don't know if this is an out-of-line question, but There's we'll no out-of-line question well, between me and you, Peter. Okay, <laughs> on the air where nobody else is listening. Yeah. Um, people you would never book, book again are the ones that were hardest to work with? That may be out of line. Okay, no, I thought so. Well, not, not – I don't mean to dodge it. No, it's okay. But, you know, our job is to bring in what people want. And some acts are more difficult than mm-hmm. others. Some of them are a piece of cake. Mm-hmm. And bad-mouthing them, now with the way things are, they'll find, even though I don't run AEG anymore, they'll find out I bad-mouth some yeah. act that we still want to book. And, you know, with what's going on, how quickly it gets around. Mm-hmm. No, I, I meant what I said. You don't, please, you know. Yeah. I, but, I, I, I know myself from being... I mean, there have been acts that have been tough to work with. I've heard some of the stories. That's what I thought, but never. And I'm not trying to. No, dodge, I, listen, but, but, Chuck. You know, please, no, it's, I, I get it. You're still in the business. Well, as a, I stayed on as a consultant for AG. I'm chairman emeritus, um, and started this music business program in Fort Collins. That well, I'm having the time of my life doing. I, I can say this about being able to be on this side of the microphone for all the years. There's people. I, number one, I wish I'd never met. Because I held held them in such high esteem, and there's other people that uh, that that you met that you held them in low esteem. They turned out to be wonderful guys, oh, get, yeah. guests to have on the show. So it was never predictable. But oftentimes, and my, my theory always was, the bigger the name guy, man or woman, the easier they were to work with or have them on the show. And nothing to prove. They were like, yeah, but you know, I also found sort of the opposite of that. I found when I booked an act that was just coming mm-hmm. up, that that was sometimes hard to deal with. They stayed the same when they came. Yeah, came no, big. That's, I'm sure that's some true. of them have yeah. stayed the same. Yeah. And, but listen, acts these days realize they have to. They can't be jerks to the world, mm-hmm. for their fans, for the people that book them, for their. I mean, because it's so it gets around so quickly with the internet and with what's going on. I mean, the music business is really cleaned up. It's really cleaned up for the better. No. I mean, HR has become really important. Um, and, you know, you work for a big company now where they have rules. And, you know, I and the music's changed, and you got to learn about that. You know, I actually can't stand old promoters that bitch about... Things have changed. Uh, yeah. But, you know... Things change. Yeah. Music changes. Oh, we just bring in what people want. Radio changes. Big yeah. time. Huge. Um, and there's some nice guys on uh, musicians and there's some jerks. Yeah. But who do you say life, that about every profession? In life, this business is full of it. You know, that exact same thing that once was, you know, there, there, were, there were guys I worked with, like, I, I feel the same as you do. I just, you know, but. Um, I'll tell you my favorite story. Well, who died a while ago? Um, I booked the Earl Scruggs Review at Tulagi's. Wow. Now I grew up. No, I know the story. Go ahead. Yeah, please. I grew up 
loving Earl Scruggs. Mm. You know, he did Lester uh, Flat. <laughs> you know, he yeah. did the the music to the movie. You know, um, Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. He and I was a folky and a bluegrass guy, and I booked Earl Scruggs. You know, Lester Flat, his original partner, Flat and Scruggs had died, and he started a new band with his three boys called the Earl Scruggs Review, and I booked him at Salagi's. And at the end of the night, I paid him. In those days, you didn't have a tour manager that got paid. You usually paid the act directly. Yeah. And he sat there, and I I was in awe of meeting oh. him. I had never met him before. He was one of my idols. And he sat there and said, Chuck, I just really want to thank you for giving me and my boys a break. And I'm saying to myself, this is Earl Scruggs, and he's thanking me. Yeah. And he says, you know, we have a new thing now with my kids, mm -hmm. and people like you have given us a break. And he was in tears. See? It's one of my favorite nights ever because it was so can play. beautiful. Oh, you can play. That Earl Scruggs, who I idolized, <laughs> is thanking me for promoting him. But he was the sweetest guy in the world. I had a moment, and this is because we're, this is what Chuck and I do. I met Norman Mailer. Oh, now, huh. I, and when I'm an undergrad, I went through a whole Norman Mailer class. I read every, I read the Deer Park, Armies of the Night. You know, I read every, Fire in the Moon. There wasn't any Norman Mailer that I, Executioner song, you know, I read them all. So he was in town, and he was going to do a, a book thing at the Tattered or whatever. He was going to speak. I went out of my way to get Norman Mailer. And they said, okay, and Mr. Mailer will be there in whatever number wife that was with him and she was, you know, and and I'm looking. I'm saying, "You're Norman Mailer," and and we and and this book, the last book was called "Harlot's Ghost." It was about the CIA, and I'm bringing up, you know, other stuff, Executioner's Song, you know, all the Fire in the Moon, like I said, the Deer Park, why we're in Vietnam, you know, all those different things. So he realizes Armies of the Night. So I think somewhere about 15 minutes into the gig, he realizes that I'm just not trying. You know, I'm not some guy that's reading the uh, the, the cliff notes that gets sent right. over with a book. He spent two hours. He must have been in awe. I was floored. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, so, and I'm and the whole time I'm saying, I'm talking to Norman Mailer. Yeah. Who, uh, uh, go ahead, I'm sorry. I'll tell you my, my favorite story. I, I be, I've become really good friends with Brian Greasy when mm -hmm. he played with the yeah, Broncos. Sure. Now, by the way, he's quarterback coach in San Francisco and he's yeah. been responsible for that young quarterback yeah. doing so well. He was on Monday Night Football mm -hmm. but wanted to really coach and became the quarterback coach and he's the guy who trained Purdy. Mm -hmm. And he's going to end up being a head coach. A wonderful guy. And we became good friends. I helped him with his great charity called Judy's House, which he started yeah. still has. Mm -hmm. A big charity. His mom, his dad mm -hmm. was Bob Greasy, right, sure. one of the greatest quarterbacks that ever lived. His mom, Judy, died sure. when he was 12. And you know, he told me the story that he vowed if he ever made money, he'd start, he'd start a nonprofit to help kids who lose parents, which is a tremendous thing. And I went to his annual thing about six years ago, and I had never met Bob Greasy. And he said, you know, my dad's going to be there. And I said, wow. Brian, I'm going to be so nervous meeting Bob Greasy. <laughs> yeah. I grew up, he was like, my yeah. God. And, yeah. and I'll never forget, Brian said, Chuck. You've met the most famous rock stars in the world. He's just a football player, and he's just my dad. I said, you don't understand, Brian. He was a god. Yeah. So I went down to the Judy's house thing at the Broadmoor, and I was talking to Brian, and his dad walked mm -hmm. by and said, Dad, I want you to meet yeah. somebody. 
And I was petrified. Yeah. And when his dad walked away, he said, Chuck, you really were nervous. I said, I told you. I wasn't kidding. Yeah. That's Bob Greasy. Yeah. Well, and the nicest guy, by the way. He's a really good guy. I had a handshake with him, and he was... And, and his son is just as equal. Brian is yeah. a, and doing so well. He was on Monday Night Football, but he wanted to coach, and now he's a quarterback coach, and it's had a lot to do with Purdy doing so well. I'm doing... I'm, we're close to the break. The end of the Norman Mailer as... And the Latin, his book was Harlot's Ghost, was the last Norman Mailer. So he stands up, and, we're, and I'm going like, and he turns around and he said, um, so what do you think of the book? I love it. No, that. no, and, I, and like I'm sitting there. You and were I, like paralyzed when he said that. No, I was, but then I said, I think you've done better. Wow. Because other books, and it was, and he came over and shook my hand, and he said, Thank you for telling me the truth. Yeah. And then he was he was gone, you know, 18 months, two years after that. But and that's when the little old skinny poor kids that we were, and that's those moments that you go, I'm here with Norman Mailer, and he cares what I think, as if he did. But yeah. And here you are with, you know, all the these major performers, and they care what you think. And... Yeah. You got to ask yourself, how did that happen? Yeah. By the way, I'm going to have when the football season's over. I'm going to have Brian Greasy and so. Sonny from CSU, who's retired, who has an office near my office wow. in Fort Collins, together speak at a cl- at one, <laughs> at one of our classes. Let us take the turnaround. Chuck Morris is here. Peter Boyle, seven ten, KNUS. Lou and I are back here tomorrow morning on a Saturday at nine. It is cold outside. I think it might have let up snowing. Nope. I can see it, Lou. It's snowing again. 25 or say what will be high. 10 degrees tonight, 28 tomorrow. Please stay here. It's Christmas music. It's 710 KNUS. We are Denver's talk station. And uh, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas outside. It's a Friday morning on Peter Boyle's in for George Brockler. We're back here tomorrow morning at 9. 25 is all we're going to get today. But it's, uh, it's cold outside. 10 degrees tonight. And 28 Saturday and 37 on Sunday in studio. And it is just, he's a, it's a gift. Uh, Chuck Morris is our guest. Uh, the, his lifetime in the music business is legendary. And he's just a dear friend. We share so much. You know, it's funny. I never look at myself like that. Oh, no. I'm the most insecure person no. I know. And I, don't. I always think tomorrow's going to be my last day working. I think I used to not go on vacations <laughs> think, in the early days because I thought when I got back I wouldn't have a job. I always, this is true. I'm not I still, making this up. No, as an old man, I still think the house I live in, the real guy that owns it's coming home someday going to throw me out. Yeah, yeah no, I, that's. I mean, insecurity has made me fear. successful because I always work harder, but it also has made me very neurotic. Greatest motivator in life is fear. Yeah, I mean, I really believe that. Fear of failure or, you know, the inability to work or whatever those kinds. No, I totally relate. And it's frightening because when I, I shouldn't, I don't know if I say this, when I, when I hear my own voice, we did the imaginary Thanksgiving Day parade and I listened to part of it and I went, God, your voice is awful. Everybody said, that was a great, you know, no, no, man, you critique yourself. Yeah, by the way, speaking of the Thanksgiving Day parade, one of my, you know, I managed the Dirt Band Mm -hmm. for years, promoted them for years. Retired from them, but um, they got to have a float in the Thanksgiving yeah. Day Parade. I loved that. I think I, mean, I was there. It was great. McCune used to come do the show all the time, and the guys were there. Come back to this. We're talking about John Prime passing, and you're and I, 
I mean, Angel from Montgomery. One of the great songs. <sighs> when he's John was what a songwriter. I first booked John Prine with his best friend Stevie Goodman. Mm. Came City to, of New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, became best friends. But did a million dates. Stevie Goodman, for those who may not know, wrote City of New Orleans. But my favorite Steve Goodman story, which I had mm, no. something to do with, when I signed the Dirt Band, even though I promoted him for years, to manage him, it was like 1983, and I convinced the guys that we ought to get a country deal because mm-hmm. was rock radio wasn't playing bands with banjos mm-hmm. and violins. Yeah. And so we, we signed with Warner's Nashville. And I said, don't change your music, but I think we can do – and they never were big in the country world. And, of course, we had a huge 10 top five country singles after that. But to start their country career, I said, why don't you guys do a Colorado Christmas song, and we'll put that out to country radio. And they said, okay. I said, let me ask my buddy Stevie Goodman, who's a great songwriter, to do it, to write it for you. Yeah. I'll never get to So Stevie, who I love to death, died tragically yeah. from leukemia that he was in remission with for 10 years. But anyway... So I called Goodman in Chicago and said, Goodman, you know, I signed <laughs> you Durpin, who he loved. Yeah. Um, want you, could you write a Colorado Christmas song for them? We want to send it to country radio. And Goodman, I'll never forget what Stevie said to me. He said, Chuck, why are you calling your Jewish friend from Chicago yeah. to write a Colorado Christmas song? I said, because you're like yeah, one sure. of the best writers in the world. He said, Chuck, my music comes out from my heart, from my head. I can't just mm-hmm. – I've never had an assignment before. But for you, I'll try it. Three days later, he sends me a song called Colorado Christmas, Absolutely. which is still being played. Oh, indeed. We've, which is brilliant. We have it right here right now, and, I think. And Goodman wrote it, and the Dirt Band put it out, and it's still being played around the country uh, every year. And and Goodman wrote it, and I literally asked him to write it. And, of course, he's such a great songwriter. He did it. It's a great, great song. He also wrote You Never Even Call Me By My great Name. Great song. Big hit. And so, a lot of hits. Oh. So I... Bob and I, Bob Lee, back to my mentoring at KLEK, so that we played um, David Allen Coe every Friday. You never yeah. even call me by my name. That was his hit. That was that was that was just about one. A Goodman song. He's a, a good friend of mine, Steve Goodman, wrote this song. He even says it in the song. Yeah, so, he does say it. No, you know, right. absolutely. And he said he, you know, but he said so. We get a. They we fronted. He's the first guy we ever went out and said, "Hey, you know, we fronted off um, David Allen Coe in Boulder, and uh, wow. and it was like, and, and I it, oh, that's yeah. Buffett that was, recorded some of Goodman's songs too. They were great friends. <sighs> now t- we lost Jimmy Buffett. You and we you, lost John Prine. Talk about Jimmy Buffett. I had him first at. At Ebbets Field mm-hmm. with the Coral Reefers. Yeah, the Coral and Reefer most, band. Some of the same guys are with him. Oh. Um, sort of like Willie Nelson. I booked him at Ebbets Field. Same and, people, same guys. Yeah, my joke about Willie, and I've become best friends with Willie and Mark Rothbaum, his manager for almost his whole career. My joke about Willie is the only way you get fired by Willie and his band is to die. <laughs> you got to die. That's when he replaces I, I, you. You know, we fronted. I can still. You know, sister died last year. She was with him for years. Steve, uh, there's, uh, what's his name? Uh, Mickey Raphael's on. Uh, I love Mickey. And, he's, uh, still, he's still doing it. Paul, who's the drummer? English. Paul, Paul English, yeah. Oh, did Paul, I didn't know oh, he died. Oh, yeah. Died. Yeah, he died. Because he has that song, Me and Paul. Yeah. And he was a partner. Willie and Paul were partners on I everything. Did, I didn't know he, that. He played drums with him for years. He died a couple. So he lost two great members of, yeah. of his band. But how many times you saw Mickey Raphael standing Mickey's up there? Mickey's the greatest and the sweetest guy. Good. Oh, and, Mickey and, is one. 
he's one of those kind of guys and sees me, gives me a hug, thanks me for booking <laughs> Willie, and he's just How a come, sweetheart. This is away from it, but on it. Those southern bands seem to stay together. And at least it's, it's me because of my love for country music, but... Um, and also, I thought it was really hollow notes or guys suing them to keep them away from them. And I thought, man, that's like radio. But uh, it seems to me that, like, I saw Willie Nelson minimum five times, maybe six. They always open with, you know, they drop the big flag and they, you know, they crank it up. Whiskey River is always like there seems start, to be. He, he yeah. opens every show with it and closes. And, By and, the way, I went to his 89th birthday. Wow show at his ranch yeah. and I went to his 90th show which was in LA this year because yeah. he can't play Denver anymore Colorado because high altitude now makes him yeah. sick yeah. so I go to shows just to hang out with him and I went to his birthday shows the last couple of years his 89th and his 90th he said he quit smoking weed I saw that too well, you read that? yeah I know all about that yeah he said I quit and I went and uh, well, Snoop Dogg just quit smoking weed that I didn't know yeah, no, it was, those guys became great friends Snoop and that's right I think I did oh, see yeah. him no, Willie's um, his doctor said you got to stop. You know, yeah. the lungs are going to kill you. Yeah, and so he stopped. But that, but why do those bands? I mean, if that's true, they seem to stay together. I Leonard Skinner, of course, after that horrible accident. I but, remember it well. I had the first Skinner date at Ebbets Field with Ronnie Van Zandt. What was he like? He was a sweetheart. He was an amazingly nice guy. Man, he could write. Well, that, that original skin, and they're still doing it without him. Yeah. You know, his brother came his in. Brother's his brother's there, place. Yeah. Actually, his brother does a really good, I'm, yeah. I mean, I met them in Sturgis, and uh, I and I was had been a real rough patch, and uh, the the guy that owns the, the chip, and I said, can I meet them? And he's great big user. What year was that? <sighs> 11 years ago, maybe right. 12 years ago. And... Um, up at the main stage up there, off to the left, and you can't see it. There's bleachers where certain select people can sit and just look right into the act. And uh, I, I, I was gifted that. And they, as they got off the bus, and I, I said, you know, wonder if I could, could I say, because I'm like knocking around this business, you know what not to do and to do. I said, yeah, go talk to them. And I went to Van Zant, and I said, "You, you." And I said, "You don't know me, but you need to know, you know, that when I was at the, some of my darkest times, I said, you guys." And he put his arm around me, hugged yeah, me. Yeah, I could see that. Oh, I'll tell I, you my favorite story. Yeah. Um, I got Willie to play for the Democratic National Convention when wow. Obama was nominated. It was here. It was here. Yeah. I got Willie to do the convention, to play a show, for the convention. And, um, I mean, he got paid well, but, oh, sure. um, and, um, before the show, Willie was on his bus, was banned, mm -hmm. and the senator, governor, I can't remember who it was then, I think maybe Hick was mayor yeah. then, yeah. I can't remember, mm -hmm. and they all wanted to meet Willie. And so I knocked on Willie's bus, and David Anderson, his longtime yeah. tour manager, yeah. said, I got the governor, senator, and, and mayor here, they'd like to meet him. And he said, hang on, and he started spraying the bus, which I never saw <laughs> Willie hiding pot, but he yeah. figured these big government <laughs> officials and spent 20 minutes spraying, which, by the way, made no difference. Sure, no. And they didn't care anyway, and yeah. I brought him on, but I never saw Willie trying to hide his pot <laughs> smoking from anybody. It was very funny. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the word comes out. Got a break. 
We'll come back and wrap it up with Chuck Morris. It's a Friday morning. I'm Peter Boyles. Uh, we're back here tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Stay here, 710 KNUS. There you go. Here's the song. The Colorado Christmas. The Dirt Band. Looking out the window of this Hollywood hotel. You'd never know that it was Christmas Eve. The billboards and the neon. The song Chuck's talking about, 710 Denver's talk station, KNUS. On a Friday, let me punch your mic up. I'm running out. There, go. Tell you the second part of that story. So they were going in the studio, Dirt Band to cut Stevie's song, Colorado Mm -hmm. Christmas. And I called Emmy Lou Harris to do the background vocals. No. Yeah. Wow. I've been friends with her since I booked her for the first hop band in Ebbets Field. And I called, and she said, well, yeah, that's, I'll yeah. do it. Yeah. And I got, you know, Chuck Morris, the excitable boy. I said, that's so great, Emmy. That's so fabulous. She said, Chuck, I'm a singer. That's what I do. Well, we do, yeah. Why would I say no? Yes. And she was right. So she's the female voice. <laughs> she's the background vocal. First time I heard that. I mean, because yeah. that's, yeah. that's a great song. Yeah. I didn't know Steve Goodman wrote it. Oh, yeah. He's written some great, great songs. <sighs> Behind Door Number 3, what's that song you wrote? Yes. Um, come on. He's a great song. His, I'll tell you, his greatest song, which is not that well known, is a song called Would You Like to Learn to Dance, mm-hmm. which I actually used as my wedding song. Oh, wow. That is the most beautiful song. I always thought, like, Frank Sinatra could have recorded yeah. that. Yeah. One of his obscure songs, but one of the greatest songs. If you want to go on, people go on YouTube or however you get it, listen to Would You Like to Learn to Dance, Stevie Goodman. I've been trying to run this show. What would you like to talk about? I'm leading around. and I- I'd like to talk about um, Joe Walsh. I became friendly oh. with Joe Walsh when he he started. His first band was the James Gang in sure. Cleveland, moved yeah. to Boulder, and and put a band together called Barnstorm with Kenny Passarelli and Joe Vitale. Had a big hit called Hey Colorado. Okay, not Hey Colorado. That's Rick Roberts. Uh, had a big hit called uh, Rocky Mountain Way. Mm-hmm. Um, now he's been in the Eagles the last 35 years. We've mm-hmm. become great friends. And um, I, in fact, I went to his big uh, benefit uh, for vets. He has a great charity to raise money for medical stuff for vets that I went to last week. I've become best friends with Joe, I mean, since 1971. And what an amazing guy and what an amazing career. And, you know, lived in Boulder for a bunch of years where we really got <laughs> became friends. And he's one of those terrific guys and one great guitar player and one great, when, wonderful guy. When I would ask something, this is a silly ask, the best that you ever saw, the best show that you were ever involved in, How can you respond to that or could you? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, um, we had booked a young band at the Rainbow Music Hall and was working for Faye, um, with Faye uh, called U2. Is this the story about you taking them in the Jeep up to yeah. – I mean, I've heard – please, tell that story well, if you could. Well, and I flipped out over them. Uh, it was Did you two, know who they two were? Con- yeah. concert. Their first album had come out, and they sold it out, but it was only $2. And I was blown away. And in fact, I called Frank Barcelona, who was their agent, and woke him up at 2 in the morning Man, there's a guy. to tell him how great it was. And he said, this is the only call that I don't mind being woken up for. The next day, the band was off. And I said, i got to show you Red Rocks. And they came in the back. All the guys came in the back of my Jeep. 
That's the and story. And I took them up to Red Rocks, and they saw it. And I said, someday you guys are going to play there. And they looked at me like, we're not going to get sure. that big. Yeah. And then a year later, I was on vacation in London, and I called Paul McGinnis, who'd managed them for who, years. Who now I retired. met at that, at that roast I met. In fact, yeah. my friend Irving manages them yeah. now. But anyway, I called Paul and said, I'm in London. Can I come out and take the guy, you and the band out for dinner? I'll fly to Dublin. He said, you do that? I said, yeah, I love sure. you guys. And so I flew to Dublin. This is a great story. So I called, and he said um, they, they had a restaurant picked out, and they said uh, The Edge, David Evans, the guitar mm-hmm. player, I still call him David, um, is going to pick you up because he's got a new car <laughs> at my hotel, and then we'll meet me, Paul, and the rest of the band. And The Edge picks me up. in this. It was his first car. And I had to call David when I was ready to get picked up. And I called him, and he was still living in his home, in his house. And his mother answered the phone, and this Irish brawl said, David, there's an American on the phone. And David said, Chuck, I can't believe you came to Dublin to take us out for dinner. I said, yeah, I loved you guys. And he picked me up in this beat-up TR3 (laughs) with a broken top. In fact, when they played last time, um, in fact, they had signed a long deal with Live Nation – I I I watched the show with Paul McGinnis and then mm-hmm. um, went to their plane before they took up off and I reminded the edge of <laughs> how he picked me up and yeah. he said, "Oh my God, I forgot that was years yeah. before." Yeah. Wonderful guys. That I mean, I heard the story that you 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 jeeped them to you up to the yeah to show Red them Red Rocks. They yeah. couldn't believe they get that big. That's a sleeper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah what a career. Did you? I mean, there's one that you saw and you knew they were going to be who they were. Going I looked to be. at them and yeah. thought they were going to be so. This was. And by yeah. the way, the first time they played Red Rocks, they didn't sell out. They only did sixty six hundred people. Now you turn them uh, away. The, yeah, yeah. And, and it's funny. I've had because that became a TV special on mm-hmm. NBC and a DVD. Oh, that video and, is yeah, powerful. and I've had ten thousand people tell me they went to the show. And we only did 66. I'm, I'm exaggerating, How but many? everybody yeah. went, but they didn't even yeah. sell out. We only did 6,600. Yeah. They we weren't that big when they record, recorded that. We always have a and running, I put money up. Yeah, I was a running gag. How many, Irishmen, how many Irishmen in Pittsburgh said they went to see the Billy Conn fight in the garden? Like, right. It couldn't fit. It couldn't be I know, there. But it's funny. Get, we're we're going to hit the wall here. Um, Chuck Morris is here. When now? When this the school was going to school uh, closed? We now off this week. Yeah. Um, back at CSU. By the way, for those of you, um, if you're at CSU, you probably know about it. But what I love about CSU is any person from any major can take any of my classes. You don't have to be a business, even though it's mm. sort of yeah. officially in the business school. But any, I love that about CSU when they made the proposal that you, any major can take it. Yeah. And it's gotten. We're up to four classes. We're adding a new class every year. Now it's a minor. And um, if you're thinking about going to, if you're a senior in high school, um, Peter has my numbers. You could, um, <laughs> oh I, I would yeah. give you a tour of CSU. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm up there four days a week and sh- especially show you about the program. And great support wow. from the university. At the end, of, did, did that kid in New York ever think that this man in Denver is going, or in Colorado was going to exist? No. About, no, no, no. I told it, you, I thought it, I'd be in the music. When I dropped out of graduate school, just start working the sink and then to logs, I really thought I'd have a six-month career in Both the of us. Business. Both of us. Never yeah. thought it would last. I still don't think it would last. That's right. 
You're the best. No, no, Peter, you're the best. Uh, and you're a miracle how long you've been doing your racket. <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> well, that's what we I think I said between us we have 100 years in, 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 in a business. businesses oh, that it, nobody usually has 12 months. Six. <laughs> I know. And we're Crazy. still here. We're very ble- I am very blessed, and the, so are you. The, both of us. I always take that moment in Raging Bull when Jake LaMotta looks across at Ray and says, you didn't knock me down, Ray. <laughs> that's, that's all they got. Line. Chuck Morris, everyone, no one better. Uh, the best holiday season forever, and um, your friendship means so much to and me. And vice versa. Thank you. Go back. Lou, you and I are back here tomorrow morning. We'll do it again at 9 o'clock following Jimmy. Yeah, it, it is. The snow has stopped one more time. We'll see what happens. You want to punch it up, pal? You want to pick some? You got it. All right. See you tomorrow morning at 9. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.